Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. We're going to go ahead and turn um, to Isaiah chapter 26, verses 3 and 4. And today I want to take a look at how the prophet Isaiah is encouraging the kingdom of Judah. Okay, in Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, it says, you keep him in perfect peace. Everybody say perfect peace. That was good. Y'all are doing great. Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Now, the title of my message tonight, if you're taking notes, which I would recommend, <laughs> is The Recipe for Peace. The Recipe for Peace. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for your perfect peace. God, we're just, God, we're just grateful that your peace is not partial, that you don't have halfway peace. God, that, that um, your peace is perfect, that it's full, it sustains us, it's complete, And Father, we just say tonight we're ready, we're willing to receive it, and we'll do whatever it takes. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, how many of you like to cook by a show of hands? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, How many of you don't like to cook? Really, okay, y'all are my people. I don't like to cook, I really don't, and in fact, this is why. I don't like to cook because my husband, Chris, changes his diet like every three months, okay? I can't keep up with what he's eating and what he's not eating. Like two months ago, he was only eating meat. But yesterday at the store, he bought shrimp and pancakes. I can't keep up. That's what he ate for dinner last night. I am telling, am I right, babe? That is what you ate for dinner last night. Like, I can't keep up. But every now and then, I Get, you know, I decided I want to cook. And so last Thanksgiving, I decided that I wanted to bring mac and cheese to the family dinner, okay? And I'm not talking about like that gluten-free, Whole30 mac and cheese. Like I wanted like the creamiest, cheesiest mac and Are y'all getting hungry? I'm so sorry. Uh, so I Googled and looked for the best picture of mac and cheese like anybody else would do. Except this time when I was... Um, cooking this dish, I was pregnant. Now, how many of you have ever heard of the term pregnancy brain? Anybody? Nobody? Okay, we have, okay, cool, cool. So pregnancy brain is when you just forget things often, okay? So I was going to make uh, this mac and cheese, and now I am a good recipe follower because I am the world's greatest rule follower. Okay, it drives my husband crazy, but I am a rule follower. I like to do, I like to follow all the rules. So I'm making this mac and cheese, and I think I'm doing amazing. And I go and I take a bite of it at our Thanksgiving dinner, and something is just weird, okay? Something is not right. Now, it was cheesy, like I wanted. It was creamy, like I wanted. But something was off with, like, the breadcrumb topping. Like, it was just... It was just weird, okay? So the next day, I open up our microwave at home, and there looking back at me was a measuring cup filled with melted butter. Now, how many of you know, if you forget to add butter to a dish, it is like a sin, okay? That is like living in sin. But how many of you know recipes are so important, right? You have to follow the recipe. And if you leave anything out, you run the risk of something getting 
weird and something being off. Just like I did everything right to make it cheesy and creamy, leaving out the butter made the topping off and it made the whole experience off. But when I read this verse in Isaiah, I had the thought, man, that sounds like a good recipe, a recipe for peace. You know, it says, if you want God to keep you in perfect peace, you have to do two things. You have to keep your mind on him and you have to keep your trust in him. Now, how many of you remember our word for the year this year? Peace. Did we forget about it? Because I kind of forgot about it. And then I was like, man, our word for the year is peace in one of the most chaotic years that our country has ever been in. Our word for the year is peace. And when I was praying for our time together, I felt like God wanted to bring us to a new level of peace. You know, when the chaos of life rises, God wants to not only match that level of chaos with peace, but he wants to supersede that level of chaos with his perfect peace. And his peace is not partial. His peace is perfect. And so did you know that you can actually be in the middle of chaos and have perfect peace? Did you know that it's completely possible to be in the middle of chaos and have perfect peace? But you know what I've learned? That in life, when chaos comes, as humans, we have one of two responses when we are in the middle of chaos. And that's we're either going to dwell on it a lot and worry about it, or we're going to deny it and act like it's not happening at all. Now, if you're a dweller, then you rehearse things over and over and over. You like to talk about it over and over. You worry about it a lot. And if you're a denier, you act like nothing is happening or nothing is wrong. You completely avoid the chaos. And if I could tell on myself for a second, and my husband can attest to this, I am the world's biggest dweller. I, if something happens in my world, I will come home and just go over and over and over and over and over to Chris. I'll, I'll rehearse it over and over and over. I'll stew in it. I'll marinate in it. I'll talk to, talk to him about it. I got it on my mind over and over and over. But how many of you know in this passage, Isaiah gives us a better way. He gives us a better way that we could be in the middle of chaos and still have peace because peace is an inward position, an inward posture despite outward circumstances. It's not something that we can earn, but it's something that God wants to give to us, that God is willing and able to give to us. We just have to be in position to receive it, right? You know, Isaiah talks about two ways for us to position ourselves for peace. And the first one was to keep our minds on him. Let's talk about the mind for a second. You know, verse three, it said, you keep in perfect peace those whose mind is stayed on you. I love how there's an exchange there. It, it, there's an exchange. It says, if, if we'll keep our minds, then he'll keep our hearts. If we'll keep our minds on him, then he'll keep our hearts at peace. Isn't he so good? But how hard is it in 2022 to keep our minds on Jesus? It's literally almost impossible because we're busy focusing on literally everything else. <laughs> we're focusing on what the news is saying. We're focusing on what the White House is saying, what social media is saying, what culture is saying. We're just so, our minds are just so filled with all of these things. And have you noticed that your brain is amazing at remembering negative things? 
and like exceptionally horrible at remembering positive things, let me prove it to you. If you decided right now to post something on social media and you really thought about it, it was like on your heart, it was like burning within you this post that you wanted to make. And if like hundreds of people liked your post and commented all of these amazing things, and then one person who may have done this on accident reacted with that little like red angry emoji, you know what I'm talking about? Or if they left a negative comment, what are you gonna think about for the rest of the day? You're not thinking about those positive comments. Don't be too Christian in here. You're gonna be thinking about that one negative comment. Oh, I can't believe she said that. I cannot, can you believe he believes that? I just can't even believe that. But our minds, they're literally hardwired for negativity. That's why keeping your mind fixed on him, it has to be an intentional practice. It has to be a daily discipline. It has to be something that you manually do with your brain, okay? This is not easy. And it's by his grace that we're able to achieve this impossible task. But the Apostle Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter four. Check this out. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Listen to this. And the God of peace will be with you. That tells me that there's a direct correlation between your mind and peace. What you're thinking about opens the door for peace or not, the opposite of peace. You know, you know what this tells me? This tells me that we have to think about what we're thinking about. Some of y'all didn't get that. Let me, let me, I thought that was good. Did you think that was good? Let me try that again. You have to think about what you're thinking about. It has to be a decision that you make. We have to be able to correct our minds when we get sidetracked. And there's no shame. It's okay if our minds wander. We're human. It's our human nature that our minds would wander. That's why we need the grace of God to get our minds back on track. But you know what I've learned to do? And this is mainly because my anxiety levels are through the roof now that we have two kids under three, okay? So my um, new habit, which I think is a really good habit, but it's something that I've birthed out of anxiety, is that I talk to God all day long. I am just like, God, just help me with this two-year-old. <laughs> like, God, get us home safely. Like, I, I'm scared to death that we're gonna get in a wreck. Just get us home safely. I, it's like my anxiety has led me to talk to God all day. In fact, we were, in, uh, we were on vacation this past weekend, and we were trapped in the car for several hours. And um, both of our children were in a meltdown. Now, have you ever been a part of a double meltdown? Like, she's crying because he's crying, he's crying because she's crying, and they won't stop, and you're trapped in a car, and you're, like, on the interstate. Like, what do you do with that? Like, what, I, did, <laughs> I did what my new habit is. First, I asked God for help. <laughs> That's all I said, and I didn't even say it out loud. I just said it in my head, like, God, please help us. I don't even know what to do. And then I did what any person would do if they were in Nashville, Tennessee. I drove to Five Daughters Bakery, and we got a 100-layer donut, which if you've never had in your life, it will actually change your life. I know Jesus really changes your life, but this like really changed the trajectory of our day, okay? And so, 
So, but, but with this new habit, I've learned that there's one area and moment in my life and in my day that I practice this the most. And that is when I'm in the car with my kids and I'm at a stop sign and I have to make a left turn. Now, how many of you hate left turns? Am I the only one? Because my friends were making fun of me about this this week. I get so much anxiety when it's time to make a left turn because like the stars have to align and traffic has to stop for you to like go, okay? And so like think about Segan Lane. Making a left turn on Segan Lane, that is like, yeah, y'all are miserable. I know. So I will, I will pull up to the stop sign and every single time I'm like, God, please just, just make it easy for me. Like, that is my prayer. Like, God, please just make it easy for me. And I'll tell you what, I know this is silly, but every single time, it's like there's no cars in sight. Cars are, it, cars, or someone will stop and let me go. It's literally like the Red Sea parts and the choir of angels comes down and they're like cheering me on to Eye of the Tiger as I make that left turn. It is like, it really is like a miracle that happens to me every single day of my life. It's amazing. But it's important to remember that fixing our thoughts on him is what opens the door for him to give us peace. It's paving the way for him to give us peace. It's doing our part so that he can give us his peace. You know, practically, this can look like a number of ways. Like if somebody you're at odds with sends you a text message, it's taking a minute and just saying, God, help me. Like, give me the words or give me the ability to not say anything back <laughs> if you want to stay out of trouble. <laughs> or, or, or if you get, maybe you got some bad news. It's, it's taking a minute and finding a scripture that, that you can marinate on just to refocus your mind in that moment. Or, or say you're like me and you just tend to get overwhelmed easily. <laughs> it's, it's taking time to put worship music on and just letting the lyrics just resonate in your spirit, letting those, those, sound, those song lyrics just marinate in your soul. You know, it can be an, as easy as talking to him like a friend. That's what I've learned to do is like just get used to talking to him over and over like a friend and inviting him into your everyday moments. You know, I, I really believe that God wants to give us the ability to do hard things from a place of perfect peace. How else is a lost and dying world going to recognize who Jesus is? It's by us doing hard things from a place of perfect peace because when you do hard things from a place of perfect peace, people are watching you. People are gonna ask you, how did you get through that? What did you do? To, and, and you can always point them back to him because that is the God that we serve. You know, I love how Isaiah shows us in this passage that keeping our focus on him is an indication that we trust in him. Did you know what you focus on is an indication of what your trust is in? That, that if you're focusing on the wrong things, that's an indication that your trust is in those things. And unfortunately for some of us, our trust can be in things that, that can't sustain us. Things that make us happy for a second, but they don't really give us peace and true supernatural peace. Did you know that God wants to give you peace today? That God wants to give you peace today. We just have to be in position to receive it. You know, the first way to position ourselves was to keep our mind on him. The second way is to keep our trust in him. Now, how many of you know trust is not instantaneous? 
Okay, those of you that are married, when you met your spouse, did you just trust him or her immediately? Trust takes time. Trust is earned. It's a process. You know, sometimes we tend to hear verses uh, about trust, and, and unfortunately, at times, we can assume that trusting God is supposed to be this automatic thing, or if you've ever been through a hard season and somebody has come up to you and said, just trust God, and you're like, I, like I, uh, what does that even mean? It can be so hard to hear something like that because trust is a process. Trust is, trust is earned. And the, the thing about God is that God wants to build your trust, that God wants to build your trust. And he's not always asking you for blind trust, but he is asking you to build your trust. And aren't you thankful that God knows you specifically, that all of these people in this room, that God knows each of us specifically, and he knows how to walk us through life and build our trust. You know, he builds trust over time. God loves to prove his character to us. God loves to prove his faithfulness to us. And it's in these tough times that he does this. But are we willing to allow him to do that? Are we willing to set our focus on him and recognize that he, that he we, we may not know why we're going through something, but we do know that he's using that to build our trust. That's how God builds our trust. You know, everyone wants peace, but not everyone is willing to let God build their trust. You know, Romans 4, 3, it says, Abraham believed God. Now, one theologian defines that word believed by to entrust or to put trust with. You know, consider Abraham's story. Abraham, God came to Abraham and said he would be the father of many nations. And then they walked through infertility, he and Sarah. Now, how could he be the father of many nations if they can't get pregnant? That doesn't make sense. They finally have a child, Isaac, and then God later tells Abraham to kill Isaac. Like, what is happening? But he does it with obedience. Many of us would wonder, how on earth could he go and do that? We can almost judge him, like, why? like how was he just so able to do that? But I think it's because God had built his trust over time. God delivered them from infertility. God had done so many things in their life over the course of several years. And you know what, God, it's not like God just randomly showed up to Abraham and was like, hey, uh, Abraham, it's me, God. Uh, I know you really don't know me, but I'm gonna ask you to do this really crazy thing. Are you down? Like, that's not how the relationship worked. By the time that God had asked him to sacrifice Isaac, there had been a lot of trust built. There had been years of trust built between them. You know, Check out Abraham's process of trust in verses 20 and 21. It says, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. You know, what you see in this passage is that first there was a decision that Abraham made. It says he did not waver through unbelief. He decided, I'm not gonna waver. I'm gonna believe. I'm gonna trust God. That was a decision. Then next you see there was a process, okay? It says he was strengthened in his faith. So first he made the decision to trust and then God strengthened his trust. God strengthened his faith. And then finally there was a result. 
It says he was fully persuaded. So God will often have you make the decision to trust, then grow your trust in him, and then complete your trust in him. Trust is a process. Trust doesn't have to be this momentary thing where you either trust God or you don't, and you should trust God, but I'm here to tell you that trust is a process. If you feel like you're on the fence, trust is a process. If you feel like you're not sure, trust is a process. God wants to walk with you through the experiences of life and use those experiences to build your trust. And just like Abraham, God's gonna take you through the same process. You know, the recipe for peace It's keeping your mind on him, and then it's keeping your trust in him. I want you to say this after me. Say, mind on, trust in. Mind on, trust in. Mind on, trust in. If you don't remember anything from tonight, let it be that you remember. Mind on, trust in. Mind on, trust in. Keeping your mind on him, step one, that is a daily practice. But step two, keeping your trust in him, that is an ongoing process. And living to receive perfect peace is doing both of those things at the same time. It's living out that daily practice of, okay, God, God, I gotta get better at thinking about you, God. I gotta get better at praying to you, God. I gotta get better at reading my Bible and, and worshiping you every day. I gotta get better at that. While also being sure that God's gonna hold your hand through life's experiences and build your trust. It's doing both of those things at the same time. It's learning how to live with both of those principles in tandem. You know, last November, Chris injured his back Um, while I was pregnant. And he had gone through a series of tests and treatments and and they finally determined that he was gonna need back surgery. And guess when they scheduled the back surgery? For two weeks before our baby girl was due. Okay, now, (laughs) I was pregnant, did I mention that? Because I was pregnant. And I had all, (laughs) all of the hormones and I was so angry with God. I was like, I had so much anxiety. I was going, like just rehearsing. I told you that I rehearse things over and over and over. I am a dweller, I told you this already. So I'm rehearsing this over and over and over and I've got anxiety. And, and you know, my, my best friend, Brianne, she makes fun of me for this, but I'm like a what if person, right? So I'll come up with a thousand what ifs. Okay, like, what if this? What if that? What if this? And, and she makes fun of me. But that's, that's me just trying to control the situation ahead of time. But I am a what if person. I had so much anxiety. And in the middle of a meltdown, I heard God say, you've been here before. You have been here before. And he brought me to a similar situation several years back when we had gone to adopt our son, Elijah. You see, we had traveled to Arizona, and that's where he was going to be born. And so the thing about adoption is that it's a long process, and there's a lot of, like, uh, obstacles that you have to overcome, and, and uh, there's, a, like, a waiting game a lot of times in a lot of the, the areas of the process. And so being that we were in Arizona, we had a lot to do in our downtime, and, and when we would get anxious, we would just go hike a mountain. Like, you can't do that in Baton Rouge, right? So I'm thankful that we were in Arizona. And so I remember it was a Friday, the day before Elijah was due, okay? We're so anxious, we're like, okay, we gotta get out of the house. 
we decided we were going to go to the Grand Canyon. How cool, right? Isn't that cool? Um, And so on the way to the Grand Canyon, in true Pamela fashion, we detoured in Flagstaff, Arizona, because Chris had never seen snow and was like, let's go snowboarding. And I was like, sure, like, that's fine. So we get to Flagstaff, we, um, we get all of our gear, and we're ready to go. And uh, we were at the window getting our, our, his snowboard and my skis, and the lady's like, do we need uh, lessons today? And Chris is like, nah. If you know him, you know that, you know that, nah. And that was the second red flag of our trip because the first red flag was that I had to convince him to get a helmet, okay? So this is the state of our trip, okay? So here we are, and, you know, they direct us to the bunny slope, which if you don't know what the bunny slope is, it's like uh, the, the beginner's slope where all the children are, right? So we're standing at the top of the bunny slope, and we're so hyped, like, we were, we were so excited. Actually, we did take a photo, and I, f- I want you to see how hyped we were. Do we have that photo? That's how hyped we were. Look at that face, both of them. Like, we were so excited to go down this hill, okay? And so, yeah, I called it a hill tab. Was that funny? Uh, because it's not a mountain. It's the base of the mountain. Anyway... Too many details, I'm sorry, I'm kind of a detailed person. So we take this beautiful picture and then we take off, okay? And I've been skiing before, so I kind of gracefully made my way down the mountain or the hill and I plopped down at the bottom. And I'm like, where's Chris? And I turn around and he's sitting like a ways up and he's got this look on his face. (laughs) And I'm like, why does he look so miserable? Like, this is the best day of our lives. I had a great time. Why does he look so miserable? I, I maneuver over to where he is, come to find out he had gone straight down the mountain, which is where the lessons would have come in handy. He didn't know that you had to kind of like do like this, you know? And so what happened with Chris was he went straight down, nearly killed a few children, and flipped a few times and injured his shoulder. Okay, so this, let me just remind us where we are in our adoption journey. The baby was due tomorrow, okay? So I'm like, okay, well, what do we need to do? Call an ambulance. So we call an ambulance, we go to the hospital. And if you've ever been injured or sick or or you're in the ER and, and they're trying to determine like what's wrong with you, it can kind of be overwhelming. So we're sitting there. You know, one guy comes in, and a doctor, and he's like, we think he dislocated his shoulder. And I was like, okay, that sounds great. Like, that's not as bad as I thought, but cool. Then they run some more tests. Someone else comes in, and he says, actually, we think he separated his shoulder. Now, that just sounds worse, and it is. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm hearing all of these, like, reports, and it keeps changing. And then someone else who was not a doctor just came in and was like, oh yeah, we see this all the time on the mountain. Everybody needs surgery. And I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. Did I mention that, that I have anxiety sometimes? <laughs> so I, I'm freaking out like, okay. 
So you're going to have surgery like tonight and our babies do like three hours from here tomorrow. And how am I going to, am I going to have two babies to parent like the newborn baby? And then I'm going to have to take care of him. And then like, like, how is this going to look God? And I, I, I was honestly so afraid to the point where I had lost hope. Like God, I don't know what you're doing. That's not the way I would have done it. Like, I would not have done that, okay? And, but you know what is so cool? It's that his faithfulness in that situation when Elijah was born gave me so much peace for when Selah was born this year. Because even though Chris had back surgery two weeks, actually one week before she was born, we got through it. And God gave us peace in the middle of it because he gave me that word that I had been here before. And I remembered, okay, God, you, you did it then, you'll do it now. I knew God was gonna work it out. I knew that he was gonna be faithful. And, it, and it's not anything, thank you guys, that's so kind. It's not anything that I did. It was all him. He had got us through. He held our hand last time. And I knew he was going to hold my hand this time. I had peace. You know, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you brought in here. I don't know what you're stewing on or what drama happened before you walked in or, or, or what you're struggling with today. But I know this. He's faithful. He's trustworthy. You know, sometimes you have to sit back and remember what he has done in the past in order to have faith for today. You know, what has God done in your past? What has he delivered you from? Has he set you free from something? Has he paid your light bill when you didn't know if you were gonna be able to pay it? Has he delivered you? Has he given you peace whenever you were anxious like me? What has God done in your past? And what are you walking through right now? Can you bring that faith into today? Can yesterday's provision give you faith today? Can you put your mind on that? Can you trust him? You know, if I could leave you with one thing, it would be this. You've been here before. If God did it then, he'll do it now. If he was faithful in your past, if he was faithful yesterday, if he was faithful 10 years ago, if he was faithful 30 years ago, he'll be faithful today. And you know why? Because that's who he is. He loves to prove his character. He loves to prove himself faithful and he'll do it because you know why? When he comes through, he's the one that gets the glory. There's no way that I would have been able to be in the hospital with Chris at 38 weeks pregnant, okay? And then a week later, we have our baby girl and he's recovering from back surgery and he's in the hospital with me a week later. There's no way that we could go through that without the peace of God. And it's nothing that we did, it's all because of him. The peace of God. And just like Abraham, you can stand firm in your faith and you can be fully persuaded that God's gonna come through to his promises. You know, mind on, trust in. Mind on, trust in. If we'll just keep our mind on him, 
and keep our trust, even if you just say, you know what, I'm gonna decide that I'm gonna trust and then let him build that trust. You know, we can be assured that he is faithful to give us perfect peace, not partial peace, like the kind of peace that sustains you and gets you through a storm and gets you through a battle. And people are looking at you like, how on earth have, were you able to hike up that mountain to kill your son Isaac? I don't know, Abraham, could it have been the faithfulness of God that he had built my trust and he knew how to build my trust and I had trust in him that God wouldn't let me down. And even if he made me go through with that, he would be my provider anyway, because God is the only one that can provide. God is the only one that can sustain us. God's the only one that you can honestly put full trust in. And so today, if you're wavering on that fence, let me just encourage you. He is trustworthy. You can put your trust in Him. You can have faith in Him. You can trust that He will come through on His promises. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.